Hi, everyone. The following podcast is a direct message network and podcast one production. We are directly to your favorite stars. I like a bed that's really firm. I need something a little softer than that. Rest easy. With the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed, you can both adjust your comfort with your Sleep Number setting. Can it really help me fall asleep faster? Yes, by gently warming your feet. Okay, but can it help keep us asleep? It senses your movements and automatically adjusts to keep you effortlessly comfortable. Sleep Number, proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. Don't miss our New Year's special. The Queen Sleep Number 360 C2 Smart Bed is only $899, plus special financing, only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. Hey, listeners, looking for an affordable way to go back to school? National University is investing $30 million in new scholarships. For 50 years, National University has pioneered achievable higher education. Today, NU offers over 75 100% online degree programs and flexible four-week class schedules that let you start sooner and finish faster. National University. Classes start monthly. Apply for your scholarship today at nu.edu. This is Adulting Like a Mother Father. Thanks for tuning in to learn more. We applaud you. Now sit back, relax. So baby, keep it pushing while we have a couple laughs. And maybe get a little mushy. But don't forget to take a deep breath. Adulting can be hard sometimes. Just take the next step. Pick the right foot up and put it in front of the left. You do this over and over and you'll be ahead of the rest. Now let me introduce you to the star of the show, Daniela Monet. I bet you probably heard her say, Chicago, Chicago. Well, now she's all grown up and got a little baby boy. His name is Gio. Dang, what a bundle of joy. We're a tribe of three, but we're building a community. So come along. It's time for some adulting. Hello, adulters. Welcome back to Adulting Like a Mother Father. Oh, it is a beautiful morning. Um, and I just, I'm just very grateful to be sitting here across from you. That's nice. Father. Um, so I'm Daniela Monet, and I'm the mother. And I'm Andrew Gardner, and I'm the father. And if you're new to our show, uh, you should know that if you're an adult or just trying to be one, this, this is, is the, the show, show for, for you. you. Okay, so let's jump in. Do you have an adulting win or fail? No, you know, I want to skip that because we're sitting across from each other and you're like, I have so much to talk about. Yeah. So I want to switch things up this week and let's just get in to what you've got going on inside your brain. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to start with my adulting win and fail because that okay, has I guess to we're do, gonna do the adulting win <laughs> no, and fail. No, just because it has to do with like opening up and talking about what's on my mind. Okay. Um, so the win, let's just kick it off, is today I went to the grocery store for the very first time. I woke up and um, I just was feeling like I need to do something different because I have been stuck in what feels like Groundhog's Day and it's made me, quite honestly, it's made me like almost miserable. So I told myself this morning. Would you say slightly depressed? I mean, I guess. Yeah. You don't like using that word. No, but. no, it's fine. I just, I'm weird about labeling things and I probably have been depressed, but I, I'm weird about labeling things because I don't ever want to be stuck in any one feeling. Sure. So for me, it's almost like I just try to feel my feelings and then hopefully get myself out of it at some point. Um, but I haven't been very good about getting myself out of it. So I just told myself I need to do something different and I haven't been to the grocery store since March and I was, I loved it. It was a really cool experience. Isn't it weird? It's like something, it's just such a simple action. Oh, it's so weird that I'm even saying an amazing effect. Yeah. It's incredibly weird. I never thought like, it's actually kind of embarrassing. I walked in 
and you know like I was slowly walking in like all of it's so different so they like hand you you know a cart or a little basket um and I just felt like I just wanted to be so nice to people because I haven't really engaged with a lot of strangers. And so it was like really cool. I was like, thank you so much. I walked in all nice and slowly, like really took my time looking around, taking it all in. The last time I was at Whole Foods, it was at the very start of the pandemic and it was the craziest experience. So like shelves were completely empty and people were like yeah. freaking out. So it was like night and day. And I just like didn't think I was going to go and like browse the aisles. I only went for vegan croissants because I heard that they have them now. Croissants. <laughs> yeah. But then I was like, you know what? I'm going to just like take a little stroll. And I did. And I, I got Did you emotional. walk all the aisles over there? I almost walked all of them. There's about four of them. Yeah. It's a small Whole Foods. But I literally got emotional. I was like trying not to cry and I was so in my head thinking like this is so weird. Here I am 31 years old in a grocery store aisle like feeling all sorts of things. Everything looked beautiful. Like the fact that I had the freedom to pick up whatever I wanted to was like mind boggling because I've just been going off of whatever we could get delivered Uh and like your options are just selective. Yeah. So anyways, oh, it was so cool. And then, of course, like I get to the checkout and I I can't keep my mouth shut. So I tell the guy, I'm like, yeah, so this is my first time here at the grocery store in months. And he and he's like, looking at you like yeah, you're crazy. Like, you're a crazy person. And I'm like, it's just so beautiful here. You guys are so nice. This is so nice. And he was like, yeah. So what have you been doing for food? And he's like, have you been Instacarting? And I was like, yeah. oh, no, I haven't been eating. <laughs> no, God, no, not me. I was like, yeah, I've been Instacarting, um, you know, just trying to get whatever I can delivered. Produce is easy. And I'm like going on and on. This guy's probably like this lady is psycho. And then I told him, you'll, maybe you'll see me in an hour. Like, I can't wait to come back. You thought that maybe you were coming back? I was just like, I got in the car and I thought, I what would love to go back in. What do you think you would have went back, back for? See, the thing is, is m- much like before the pandemic, I would go to the grocery store with no agenda and not a, a list. Like some people have like a list and they oh, make yeah. certain recipes. I never do that. I just buy what I see and then kind of go from there. So when I got in the car, I was like, God, I would love to go back and like, you know, actually think about what we need. <laughs> Makes sense. Not just go from for croissants and, and come didn't home. Didn't you with, just like, order grapes. food off Instacart? I did, but okay. So that would be like the stuff that you need, right? That's like the you got yes. the tally in your head, like we need this, yeah, this, yeah, and this. yeah. Okay. Um, and I'm so grateful for those conveniences, but it's just not that. Well, obviously, it's not the same experience, but there's not the same stuff available. So on Instacart, you're right. Like you don't. Limited. You also don't have like the shelves to look at. And you can't smile make a choice. At. You can't look at somebody else. It's like if you want brown rice, like you might just have to go with whatever's available or whatever the Instacart shopper decides to grab for you. You right. know. So, okay. So that's my win. Okay. So you you've been talking a lot about needing a vacation. So this was kind of your little mini vacation Who into paradise. Thought? Who would have thought? Yeah. Okay. Did you check out the produce aisle? Oh, I feel like stunning. that would be okay stunning the cherries mm-hmm. and like I got grapes and I wanted to get so much but I thought about it here's my other hang up right now um you know you can't bring your own bags so it's just kind of like I don't want to go crazy because I hate walking out with like all this paper bag you know what I mean and but aren't there bags the the paper bags aren't they made from recycled paper yeah they are and we definitely reuse them like we literally use them to pick up the dog poop but like it's not that it's just more we? like you, you do a great job. You're such. You, honestly, Dude, I, I've, I've I never am the met best anyone. Dog poop picker upper. I've never. I've been I, doing it since I was like eight. 
it's a true skill. Yeah. So bravo. Thank you. Um, so switching gears. Okay. Let's hit the fail. Okay. So that's the win. This is, this is your fail. Yeah. So let's dive into, you know, some of the things I've been feeling lately. So hold on. I want to, I want to backpedal just a bit because you're so, you're so on a high over this, this grocery store trip. Would you recommend that other people who might be feeling a little low go to the grocery store? (laughs) Well, I think I'm the only weirdo that has not gone to the grocery store in this long of time. Like it's been almost six months. I don't think there's a lot of people all over social media saying, why do you need to go anywhere when everything gets delivered? Yeah. Okay. So I'm such a victim of someone who buys a lot online and I'm not totally proud to say that, but today's experience really shifted my way of thinking. I don't want to just have everything be so as so easy as like clicking a finger. There's no connection, like being able to pick what I wanted today. Like I could like cry thinking about it. Like it was so freeing. Buckle up guys. (laughs) (laughs) It was so freeing. Okay. This is where Gio gets it from because he is an emotional disaster. I hope not. I think that there's a lot of good that comes out of emotions. Yeah, I agree. Because when you feel something, you really feel it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why I feel so many good things too. A bunch of episodes back, I think the one with with Lauren Lake. Yeah. I had mentioned something my brother told me that he read about uh, how you should experience every day. And it was like, you should laugh until it brings you to tears. I forget. I forget oh, what they were. Oh, that was so now. good. Yeah, yeah, but basically, it's like you got to feel your emotions. Yeah, you know, if you're not like, feeling your emotions, let yourself go then, there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that this whole uh, last five or six months has really. Oh, you've gone there. I've gone there. Yep. Um. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So sorry. The fail. No, no, no. It, I had posted something on Instagram, and it's weird because, like, you know, I only show 2% of our life on Instagram. Right. And so I feel like people make an assumption as to how I'm doing off of that 2%. And so I did like a, a quick little Q and a after posting something on my story, I mean, off, on my story and on my feed about just being like so overwhelmed and like wanting to renegotiate my mom's salary because like, I don't have the bandwidth to like do this all day, every day. Dude, If you get a bump, then I get a bump. <laughs> Okay. Well, Where are these bumps coming from? They're not from? coming from anywhere. So if Gio can cough it up at some point, that'd be great. No. I, and, and the thing is, is when I said I needed a vacation, because I alluded to just needing a vacation, uh-huh. I would love to go on a vacation with all of us. Like I would never want to like just dip out. Although the grocery store is a great excuse to get away. <laughs> but like a vacation for all of us, like we need a change of scenery. We need to like switch 100%. gears. So my fail is all about just like being in the slump that I have been and just feeling so blah, so out of it. I'm not the kind of person that goes kind of dark. And I felt like I was going kind of dark cause I was just seeing way too much on social media about people struggling. And then like new, ugh, like new headlines coming out, you know, now people are talking about pedophiles and, and child trafficking and like yeah. all these just opening up cans of worms of conversations, which obviously need to be had. And a lot of me thinks that like, because we have this downtime and the capacity to like kind of digest all these worldly problems that maybe 2020 is literally like a sifter. It's like a filter where we're just going to literally throw everything in and hopefully everything that comes out is good. Yeah. But I'm just, I, for someone who's so sensitive and I think our listeners probably gather that so far, (laughs) I struggle 
hard with like the reality of the problems in the world and how helpless it can make me feel so quickly. Yeah. And so I wonder if that, that would make you an empath because you can feel everybody. Oh, it's yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, people have told me that I'm, I'm, listen, I mean, I'm I sure a lot of us are. I feel like I am that as well. I don't always like, you know, I, I don't outwardly show my emotion. Like if you're upset, I'm not going to cry with you. You know what I mean? But I know I just feel energy around me and I know like if you're happy or sad or if you're mad or whatever. And I, I feel that from everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are like that and it's tough right now cause there's, there's just a lot of shit going on in the world. Yeah. Um, like Nick Cannon's post, that one was like Nick, the yeah. icing on the cake for yeah. me. I saw that. Here's and the like, thing, though. I mean, when you take a step back, my this is just my opinion. People, they just want stuff to be mad about. They want stuff to hate on, and I don't know why. And the news feeds off this stuff. That the negative, the dark headlines, those are the ones that get views, they get reads, and that's why it's there. Yeah, you know what I mean. So if you if you an easy thing you can do is just stay off that stuff and sometimes stay off social media because some days 90% of it is negative, mm-hmm. you know? So do yourself a favor and just back away from it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Um, it's weird. It's like, you know, we're being seen so much and like such saturated amounts. Um, yeah. but <laughs> as simple as like, taking a walk when you really just take in your environment around you like that doesn't feel as overwhelming right like that's why like a vacation and like switching it up like our friend and her family went to tulum and my gosh i am just like so envious (laughs) because that is genuinely like our happy place and all that in hawaii sure hawaii is my happy place but tulum is amazing Tulum, I think, is more my happy place, but right. Hawaii is... So you I go mean, there. I'm going to go to Hawaii. Where does Gio go? <laughs> Where does Gio... Gio has to follow the damn boobs. <laughs> right, right. I have, okay, so I have two thoughts that come to mind, and okay. I just want to spit them out before I lose them. One is things feel so much more overwhelming right now, and things like different subjects are getting hit so hard because of this pandemic and be, because of the quarantine, because people have the time. Mm-hmm. When people don't have the time and they're at work, they're at school and they're like living their lives, you know, sometimes it's unfortunate because there needs to be more attention on things and people are too busy to to open their eyes to it. But right now, anything that comes to light is just getting hammered because people are sitting around on their, on their hands Mm -hmm. and they need stuff to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? So all the attention is on these things. Yeah. No, I, I understand that that's what's happening, but it doesn't always make it any easier because, um, because ugh, it's like I want escapism, but I also don't want to be a victim of being quiet or being naive or not addressing things. Right. So it's like a balance of like, and that's where I, I struggle, you know, like I want to be active and I want to help make a difference, but, right, but you can't gonna, do anything when your mental health is compromised. 100%. That should always be number one because you're just, you're just not your best self and you, you, there's not much you can do when you're not right. Yeah, totally. On the other hand though, you, you know, hate to be a pessimist, but like you cannot fix the world's problems. Like you as one person, you can make an impact, but you cannot solve everything. Mm -hmm. I think when you just accept that it just takes a little weight off, you know, Mm -hmm. and your heart is going to guide you to the, the areas or the topics or the, the things that need your attention. You know what I mean? Sure. 
and you can't put the pressure on yourself of you have to be active in every single thing and you have to solve the no, world's I problems know. because I, I don't necessarily feel that way anymore because the reality is, is that our hands are full. Like we are so busy with geo and like all these different side projects and just maintaining like mental health and the, the well-being of our home and, Mate, we, we, and we, there's not much we can do. Like over the last week or two, geo has been so up and down. Like one day is amazing and one day is from hell. Yeah. Let's jump into that because our two guests today, um, are professionals in the baby space. We have two incredible doctors from the Netflix series Babies. Yeah, I which has been a big hit. Huge. Um, so tell us a little bit about your take on all of it. Sure. So we had Robert Plowman uh, and Julie Manella. Robert, so both of these were really interesting conversations, and I'll, I'll just leave you with this. Robert, All of Robert's work um, lies around genetics and how much of an impact they have on kids as they grow up. A lot of people think that it's the way you raise them has everything to do with how they end up. He thinks something differently. Mm -hmm. So we'll let him get into that. And then Julie, this one was really interesting. I know like you you were in love with having this conversation. Her work lies around a mother's diet during pregnancy and how that affects a child as they grow up as well. Yeah. Um, Before we take a break and come back with them, I wanted to just touch a little bit on like, what we've been experiencing with geo and um you know how we've just been feeling like <laughs> like rags hanging to dry <laughs> so okay so i like to give people the reality like i don't yeah. want i don't want to this is a reality show okay being a parent is really hard sometimes and i think that there's nothing there's nothing that i've experienced in my life before being a parent that can prepare you for it mhm I've always said it's the most amazing but most challenging thing that I've ever done and it still holds true. It, it's crazy and there's there could be so many reasons as to why a kid is challenging one day and not the next day, but one day right now can be amazing. Like he's not he's not fussing, he's not what I call whining. He's pretty chill throughout the day. He's he's happy, he's smiling, he's laughing, he's playing with his toys. He can be by himself for a little while. You know, obviously we're right there, but he can just entertain himself. And then the next day is the complete opposite. Yeah. Like the next day he won't want to go down for naps. He'll fight us. No, he's um, literally fussing from the second he wakes up. Yeah. Like we can't really change his diaper. Like the, 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 the kind of like, um, what would you call them? Like pillars of the day become mm-hmm. such a struggle for a long time. I almost felt like he wouldn't even sit to eat now he will sit to eat. And I think one of the reasons I've um, come to realize is that like, I think he's extra fussy on days that he's maybe not even eating enough, which is hard to imagine because we are feeding him all day, every day and he's nursing still. So it's like, not that that, I don't really count the nursing as food because I don't think he really feels any sense of fullness from it. It's a lot thinner now too, right? I don't even know. I've never seen it. Mm. I mean, I haven't pumped since he was like three months old. But I feel like we're starting to put the pieces together and this theory makes sense because number one, he's all over the place now. Yeah. He moves so much. Standing, crawling all day long. Like he does not stop. Mm -hmm. When he was born, he was like 99th and 95th percentile for (laughs) height 
in uh, weight, mm-hmm. and now that's dramatically dropped. He's like 65th and 55th, right? Yeah, and I and the doctor wasn't at all phased because Gio wouldn't even sit still for his appointment. So no. I literally had to let him crawl around in this office, okay? Mm-hmm. Imagine, like, we're in a pandemic, okay? I don't know how many feet have been in this office. Granted, I know this doctor, and I know he's a clean freak too, but I had to let him crawl around our doctor's office because he wouldn't sit still. And yeah, so he just said, he's like, he's a busybody. It's totally, yeah. if he wasn't a busybody and he wasn't eating as much as he is, yeah. Then you have to worry, but otherwise, right. I'm so I'm not worried at all. I well, just, let's just talk about the screaming for one second, sure. Because this is what does it for me. Like this does me in. It literally crumbles me from the inside out. This is what locked me in the car for an hour and a half, and then I posted exactly. that thing on my feed. So when we say this kid is a monster, some days he's a monster, right? He will he will scream at you for fifty percent of the day. <laughs> and mind you, we're adults. Like we don't yeah. we don't communicate with other adults that way. Like we didn't have this in our life prior to him. <laughs> And then all of a sudden you have this little mini human who like will literally tear you down with his voice. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he will do it for any reason and every reason. Mm -hmm. Like I want to eat. So I'm screaming. Now I'm done eating. So I'm screaming at you. I want to get down and play with my toys. So I'm screaming at you, but I want that toy and I can't get it. So I'm going to scream at you again. (laughs) Now I want you to pick me up. So I'm screaming at you. (laughs) It is all day long. And I'm I'm not going to lie. It is miserable. Yep. And it takes a level of patience that you didn't even know existed inside of you mm-hmm. to just remain calm. Talk. Can we talk about, let's, let's talk about before we again, take a break. Um, or we can take a break, but when we come back, let's talk about partnership. Okay. Let's do it. So let, let's get in the conversations with Robert and Julie. Okay. And All then right. we'll come back to partnership. Oh gosh. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> More adulting like a mother father. When we come back. Okay, you guys, so I think you know this by now, but I really do believe in reading labels. It's key um, with everything, really, from food I buy to obviously the beauty products that we use and even just any sort of um, personal care, self-care products we use here in our home. Um, So our deodorant is Native. We're big fans because Native deodorant doesn't just block odor. Um, it's just made better. Native has ingredients you've heard of like coconut oil, shea butter, and tapioca starch. It's also vegan and never tests on animals, which is key. Key, right? And it doesn't have aluminum. If you didn't know, aluminum forms a plug in your sweat glands to keep you from sweating. That's why Native never uses ingredients like aluminum, parabens, sulfates, or talc. Um, With over 10 cents, including rotating seasonals, Native has something for everyone. Their most popular classic scents are coconut, vanilla, lavender, rose, cucumber, and mint, and citrus and herbal. Mine is actually the eucalyptus and mint. I know the um, the citrus and the herbal is most an award popular. winner for the guys, yeah. but mine's actually the eucalyptus. I like that for everything. I know you're a big eucalyptus guy. I, am. I love the citrus and herbal, and I know that that's most popular amongst men, but I just love that masculine smell. It's so yummy. Um, anyways. Okay. So we're big fans. We think that, um, you know, it's really important to be careful about what you're putting on your body. And I always say this, but especially in your armpits, cause that's a huge, huge gland. Do what I did. Make the switch to native today by going to nativedo.com slash adulting, or use promo code adulting at checkout and get 20% off your first order. That's right, guys. This is a no brainer, right? That's nativedeo.com slash adulting, or use promo code adulting at checkout for 20% off your first order. Get it done. And now back to adulting like a mother father. So, um, 
Robert, thank you for joining us. This is, as you know, Adulting Like a Mother Father. We talk about all things adulting, including babies, which is a very dear topic to our heart right now because we have a month old here. Um, what I want to do is kind of open the floor to you. So you're one of the, the doctors or the scientists behind this hit Netflix show, Babies, right, which follows basically all these areas of the first year of a baby's life. Mm. Is that accurate? First two years, probably. First yeah. two years. Okay. Um, but your work specifically focuses on the genetics of a human or a baby more specifically. And that genetics determine more of what we become than anything else. Well, that, that's, right? that's sort of my pitch. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Okay. Um, what's, you know, there's these 12 episodes in the series. And mine is the only one that talks about what I call individual differences. So when you have one kid, as you do, it, you know, you tend to read about, well, the, the, most of the episodes tell you about the average age the babies walk and talk and sleep. It's all about averages, which is kind of great. I mean, because you probably didn't know when you should introduce solid foods or, you know, any of that stuff. But um, later on, you become much more interested in individual differences. That is why your child learns to speak early or late, why your child is hyperactive, while your child has sleep problems. Those are all individual differences. And what I study is the extent to which inherited DNA differences, genetic differences, make babies different, make us different. And, what I've, you know, and when I started uh, in the 70s, psychology was completely dominated by environmentalism, the view that we are what we learn. So everything mm -hmm. that went wrong in development even schizophrenia, was blamed on the parents. Because from Freud onwards, it was thought everything that a kid becomes, it, in terms of an individual, their mental health and illness, mental abilities and disabilities, their school achievement, everything is due to the way their parents treated them. That's called the nurture hypothesis. And it's a reasonable hypothesis. It's just wrong. And after 50 years of research, we know the major systematic force um, shaping children's development is genetics. And that's a very important message for parents because, you know, you've probably looked at the parenting books and blogs and all of that. Most of them, well, hardly any mention genetics. Yet I think the single most important thing for parents to know is just how important genetics is. You don't have as much control as you think you have. And that's really important to know when things go wrong. I mean, at the age of your child, you know, everything's pretty good. But sometimes good, good parents have kids who turn out bad. Sure. You know, we've got to talk about Kevin. And that's really hard to explain from this environmentalistic point of view that blames parents for everything. Yeah, parents can take the credit for good stuff. But what about when the kids go seriously wrong, like with drugs or schizophrenia? You know, we, by the same token, you got to blame the parents for that. But yeah. it's not right. Most of the systematic influences in kids' development is genetic. And that's what drives me nuts is none of these parenting books talks about genetics. Yet it is so important. And it, the bottom line isn't just determinism and you throw your hands up and say nothing we can do. It just means you don't, you're not going to shape that child to be what you want it to be. Right. It's a much wiser strategy to say, figure out what the kid likes to do, what they're good at, and help them do that and to relax and to kind of enjoy being a parent. And a large part of that 
is watching your child become who they are genetically. And so I think it's such an important message. Um, and it's not one you get in, in child-rearing books. So that's why I sort of get on the soapbox here about this. No, I love it. So do I. So I actually have a question. So when you talk about genetics, let's use us for example. What more can we do to better understand our son, Geo, in terms of genetics? Is there a test or something that we can take so that we know maybe what we've sort of potentially passed on? Or is there something that we can... St- is that... Adam, am I wrong here? <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out because we're trying to figure out his, his way. Yeah. Well, you know, I have this book that came out last year called Blueprint how DNA makes uh, us who we are. And it goes into that question, the answer to that question in great detail, because there's a lot of answers to that question. It's a really important question. There are DNA tests now that uh, 5 million people have paid to have their children tested on DNA. It's a complicated topic. It's funny, it's mostly in Asia, you know, Mm, over 5 million people in China. I guess, you know, they, well, for whatever reason. But the larger answer to the question isn't about um, identifying what you contributed to your child, but it's to realize that your child's 50% similar to each of you genetically. Mm. But that means they're 50% different. Mm. So, you know, you got to recognize those differences. Maybe you've started to see it already in, in your child. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know where you really see it? And in the Netflix episodes, They talk about average development, but whenever a sibling comes in and there's one family that had twins, then immediately you start talking about differences. Why are these two kids growing up in the same family with the same parents so different? Because it hits you over the head how different these kids are. And environment has a tough time explaining that because you're the same parents. Genetics predicts it though, because the first law of genetics is you're 50% similar to your kids. But the second law is you're 50% different. Right. And so the trick is to recognize the genetic uniqueness of your child. And um, so a lot follows from this, but the main message I, I want to emphasize is it doesn't mean there's nothing you can do. It's just that if you have this view of environmentalism, that you're going to shape your kid to be what you want your kid to be, it's a recipe for disaster. It's probably not going to work. And it's so much better to kind of figure out the kids' appetites and aptitudes and go with the genetic flow. It doesn't mean you can't fight it. You can take a kid with no musical ability and get them to be pretty good at music. Well, it almost ruined my relationship with my two sons because I insisted to be a cultured person, you have to know how to read music. But they're so obstinate, it's probably because I wanted them to do it. They said, no way. And it really led to huge problems in adolescence until I finally gave up. And, you know, I think that's a good example. I I shouldn't impose my interests and ideals on my kid. I should say, here here are some things to consider. Give them lots of opportunities to find out what they like to do and help them become who they are. Yeah. Um, I love that. I think as new parents, like we, I don't know if we've heard that message before and it just makes me feel like more people need to hear that message because as new parents or experienced parents, I think we all put a lot of responsibility on ourselves and it can be overwhelming at times. Absolutely. You know, any mistakes that I make could exponentially affect his life down the line. Um, I think, 
if more parents understood that, you know, the way you raise them, obviously it's gotta be important, but it's not everything. And if you focused more on really honing in on what the child enjoys, the way they act and whatnot, and then supplementing that, then you might be in a much better position. Yeah, exactly right. Um, and uh, it's it, a good way to think about it is if you got married to someone, you said, well, the guy's kind of a jerk, but I can make him into something pretty decent, you know, in the end. Well, mm-hmm. that's a recipe for disaster. You do nice things for your partner, not because you want to change them. You want to make them into something you want them to be. You do nice things for your partner because you love them and you want life to be nice for them. Yeah. And I think it's the same way with kids. Being a parent is very important. It's a large part of your life and a large part of your child's life. But it's not like this um, behavior modification program where you're making a kid be what you want them to be. You do nice things for your kid because you love them. You want life to be nice for them. You warn them when you think they're going off the rails because you say, in the long run, I don't think that's going to make you happy. You know. But it's just a different way of viewing it as a relationship. And um, so I do think it is such an important message, and you really don't get that from other parenting books. No, you don't. And I wonder if, you know, just my brain goes down a, a rabbit hole here. I wonder if that's because they focus on the things that we think that we can control versus what we can't control. Yeah. Um, to give yeah. us some sense of like self, like a little bit of hope or maybe some. <laughs> yeah. I'm really curious about this. Do your colleagues agree or your peers, do they agree with, um, your insights and, and your what you believe? Yeah. Well, when I started this sort of research in genetics and psychology in the 70s, it was dangerous to even talk about genetics mm-hmm. because nurture and parenting was viewed to be totally responsible for the way kids develop. Mm-hmm. For good or for bad, people don't really understand. What if your kid becomes schizophrenic? 1% of the population becomes schizophrenic or severely depressed or whatever. You know, that... The, that leads to mother blaming, particularly parent blaming. So uh, when I started, it was dangerous to talk about it. But over the years, a mountain of evidence has convinced people of the importance of genetics. This comes from twin studies, comparing identical and non-identical twins, from adoption studies, uh, for twins reared apart, like a very impressive film last year that won a Sundance Award for documentaries called Three Identical Strangers. I don't know if you ran into that but it's it's the story of three identical twins triplets who were separated at birth and didn't meet each other until they were 20 years old wow and it just knocks your socks off how similar these guys are not just physically you can't tell them apart physically but also psychologically you know in terms of uh aptitude for school personality in in so many ways it's it's really a great um dramatic demonstration of the importance of genetics Sure. And it makes the point. The bottom line for all of this is that if your child had been mixed up in the maternity ward and you brought home a different child, your child raised with other parents would would largely grow up to be the same person in personality. It's crazy. In psychopathology. Yeah. So, you know, it's being a parent is important. You provide, um, a large part of their life. You make life nice for them. You can make life miserable for them too, but you don't actually make much of a difference in the long run in how they turn out. So if your child's hitting another child over the head, you can stop that aggressive behavior. But if your child's aggressive, they're likely to be aggressive. You just got to, you know, control the circumstances so that they they won't 
be a bully. The same thing's true like with alcoholism. There's a strong genetic influence on alcoholism. But if you don't drink a lot of alcohol, you don't become alcoholic. So our drunk driving laws probably cut down on the opportunities to become an alcoholic, but it doesn't change your genetic risk for alcoholism if you're at a genetic risk. So you can change the behaviors. You can have laws to change those behaviors, like drunk driving laws. But um, it's important to recognize you're not really changing the person very much, and that has a lot of implications. So I know it's, I'm, I'm babbling on here a lot, but there's no, a lot to say in a short amount of time. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and, you know, this isn't going to mean anything to you, but in a previous episode, we talked about our dogs, and when we brought uh, our son into the world, we were having some issues, some aggression issues between the two of them. And, uh, you know, mainly those were coming from our boy dog, who I just think genetically has aggressive tendencies. And it makes me believe just through my experience and what I've witnessed with him, you don't ever get rid of those. That's, that's there. That's part of his makeup, but you can do things to control the action. Exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, I, I would love to be able to talk about parallels between having a dog and having a child. I mean, because there are some very interesting parallels along the lines of what you're just saying. You can train them. But, you know, if you know dogs, you know how different the breeds are, for example. Yeah. They're only one species. So those are genetic differences. So I think there's a lot to learn uh, about raising children, especially infants, um, from raising dogs. And as you do, recognizing the limits of how yeah. much you can change them. But as you say, you can control their behavior. Yeah. But that's different from thinking you've changed them. You've made them into what you want them to be. 100%. 100%. I couldn't agree more. So here's something. I don't know if your work goes into this part of this, but I think people would take a lot of value from it. If we talk about we can't really, like we obviously we can't control the genetic makeup of our kid. And when you believe in this theory, you have much less uh, of an impact on your child than you think you do, right? And your job should become more so uh, observing the, the child more closely and then helping them follow the right paths. Do you, maximize their strengths and minimize their weaknesses is the way I would exactly. put it. Do you have any tips or um, thoughts on like things that we can do as parents to really be able to focus in and hone in on those things? Yeah, lots. It's a long story. But um, one of the personality traits that's most heritable early in life is shyness, which surprises people. Because I don't know if you know enough babies to know if your baby is particularly shy or not. And, no, you know, <laughs> he's not shy. No. Okay, he's not. Right. So if, if you did have a child who was shy, um, it doesn't mean you can't do anything about it. It just means that you would say, you wouldn't take the kid to a party with a bunch of strange kids and dump them off and say, bye, have a good time. You'd have them go with another child. You'd stay there, let them warm up. Because shy children aren't shy after they've become comfortable in the situation. Do you know? Yeah. So there's lots of examples like that where going with the genetic flow makes a lot of sense. And, and to, to re really respect those differences too, uh, in, mm. in our society, especially in America, I came from America, there's a sense that any difference is like pathological. So if you're shy, there's something wrong with you and you got to go to a therapist and get rid of your shyness. But instead, you know, I think it's better to recognize people just differ a lot. Even infants differ a lot in temperament. And we should 
you know, recognize those differences and respect them to a greater extent because they all have strengths and weaknesses. Like when I was a, a y- youngster, I would have been labeled hyperactive in school because in those days you had to sit in these chairs all in a line like a train and you couldn't move for a long time. And for a you know, high active kid, that was like torture, you know? So that was negative in that circumstance. But I think in the end, it was a very good thing. You know, I'm a very high energy person. And um, so it swings and roundabouts in development, you know, and it's, you know, I, it's not good or bad, particularly. It's just different. And that's what makes life interesting, I think, are these individual differences. I love that you recognize that because I was thinking about something I heard as a kid growing up often from my parents and from the schools I was in. They would often say that I was a social butterfly and that it almost worked against me, that I couldn't sit still, that I always wanted to like visit with people and be chatty. And it, it, um, and it got in the way of, of you know, scholastics and being in, in class and it was distracting. That's what was another thing that was. Mm. And all of these qualities, you know, I feel like have served me really well in my exactly. adulthood. So it's really hard when you see children maybe struggle in certain circumstances that are designed for like someone sort of specific. Mm-hmm. Because in general, like we all are very rounded out as human beings and we, we might just be different in, in other situations. Like some might may be better for us than others. So it's almost like you have to just take the pressure off yourself as a parent and recognize that like not every situation is developed for your specific child or, you know, your child may just be different than the one next to them, you know? Exactly right. I couldn't agree more. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it feels comforting because I come from a household where I actually have a brother who is very different from me. I mean, everyone can say that, right? But like to the extreme, they've had a lot of hard times with him and he's been challenging And it's been really hard for me. And some of the things you said made me look at the way that I've treated my parents and that I've almost, I've almost blamed them for some of the things that have happened to him and who he is today. So it's, yeah, it just feels like a whole almost like weight is almost lifted off me. I'm like, re. There's an underlying tone of acceptance that I really, really. Exactly right. Tolerance. Yes. It takes the pressure off of, even just being yourself, not, not even being a parent, but just thinking about the way your own brain works. That's right. Yeah. So for that. ourselves, we should give ourselves, cut ourselves more slack. Yeah. We should cut our children more slack because it's a myth that you're going to make them into what you want them to be. So yeah. that isn't going to work anyway. But then as you were starting to say, taking it the other way, and when you think back to who you are and tend to blame our parents for everything that went wrong, <laughs> it's really the same message. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And it's always easy after the fact to say, oh, well, I'm depressed because, you know, but um, it's genetics. Genetics is the major systematic force making us who we are. It's interesting because so many people you hear, I mean, at any stage of your life, but I feel like more in our stage where we're coming into our own, we're becoming parents of our own. I find that I constantly look back at like the things that I saw growing up and how I'd like to do them differently because, right? Like I'd like to do this differently because clearly this didn't work out the way that it was supposed to. But in reality, it's almost like you said, just accepting that everyone's doing the best that they can. And there is so much that you can't control. Um, I know we're just reiterating, but it's, it's fascinating when you think about it from all different angles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. I'm so glad you guys are open to this. You know, there's still quite a bit of hostility 
you know, um, I think less so among the younger generation, I think. Um, do you guys consider yourself Generation Z? Said? Um, no, we're, we're X. Yeah. In our thirties. Yeah. Yeah. But I do find that I want to be open-minded because, you know, it is challenging becoming a new parent and there are a lot of things that like are unknown for us and anything that's going to make yourself feel like you're not alone and that like, it is just a process that you don't have a ton of control over sometimes is it feels like you can breathe a little easier. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. It is so important, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And I feel like it's good for our listeners because if you're thinking about having a family of your own or you have one and you're, you're feeling like you're in a rut or things are going out of hand or not the way that you saw it. I mean, that is the biggest thing for us is like, you know, expectation versus reality and just realize, exactly right. that, yeah. you know, so much of this is very different than what we imagined and just being accepting of it so we can enjoy. Yes. And to realize it's not a matter of one false move and your kid's ruined for life. Right. It, that just isn't the case. It does. You can make, mis- does you can make mistakes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the, um, you know, not, not everyone would put this much weight on their actions as a parent, but as new parents who just want to do a phenomenal job like that, that is how you feel at times. Yeah. It's just, it's just nice for some of the weight to come off. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Um, I, I want to ask you one more thing. Uh, I don't know where your, your work has been documented in the past, but I know the baby series like has become a pretty big thing. It was top 10 on Netflix for weeks and weeks. Um, what's the coolest thing um, that you took away from either uh, filming the show or uh, just afterwards once it's aired and, and it's gotten, you know, all the uh, publicity and press and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> what I took away from it is I never want to be a documentary filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my 20 minutes involved three solid days, 10 hour days of filming. Yeah. And then we did some catch up stuff after that. I mean, I, I don't, be, I don't know where these, I'm, I guess I'm too impulsive or whatever for that, but man, it, it, and it pays off. I mean, in the end, they have some beautiful film. I mean, it's not only very good stuff scientifically, it's just damn good filming, isn't it? I mean, it's just beautiful to watch. So it pays off, but wow. <laughs> I mean, not for me. <laughs> I get it. I, uh, she, she's been acting since uh, she was seven. Oh. I didn't have any experience in the business until I met her. And you just realize... It all looks great from the outside, but it is extremely tedious stuff. Exactly right, yeah. And there are so many people for every little tiny detail yes. that blew your mind, right? <laughs> yes, it was the largest team I've ever, think, I've ever seen. They had nine people out, including a continuity person. You're probably yep. familiar with that. But with documentary films, you often just get one person who does the, sort of does the filming and then maybe a sound person. Yeah. But this was, this was an amazing team of people. Well, I'm glad it's getting the recognition it deserves. I know that many of us really need to hear and see this information and it's palatable. It's something that you can like watch. And um, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to come on our show. And it's my pleasure and keep up the good work. It's a, it's a great podcast and thank you. Good luck with the baby. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good one, Robert. All right, everyone, sit tight, and we'll be right back for some more adulting like a mother father.
Introducing Go Macro Kids. Go Macro's brand new kids macro bars are made with simple, responsibly sourced ingredients, providing goodness that both kids and parents can agree on. Okay, and myself, because I can't get enough of these. They are so good. Um, Kids Go Macro Bars are healthy, delicious, and come in four picky eater approved flavors, chocolate chip cookie dough, peanut butter cup, double chocolate brownie, and oatmeal chocolate chip cookie. Um, My personal favorite, if you care, is chocolate chip cookie dough, but that's because that's the first box we finished, and it's absolutely amazing. Um, So a better future, it starts with our kids, and we know this. So every time you give a child a macro bar, you're sharing the power of sustainability, the importance of giving back, and the joy of a plant-based lifestyle with the next generation. I could cry, you guys. This is all music to my ears. So get your hands on Go Macro's brand new kids macro bars by going to gomacro.com and using promo code ADULTING for 30% off plus free shipping on all orders over $50. Go now. Use code ADULTING. All right, guys, we're back. Here's adulting like a mother father. What I've read, Julie, is that your work revolves around uh, basically a, a mother's diet and what she eats during pregnancy and during breastfeeding affects how the child eats for the rest of their life. Is that accurate? It sets the stage. I mean, we're like other animals. The first way we learn what foods are safe, what foods are out in the environment, but probably more important, what foods our mom likes are these experiences, these flavors get into amniotic fluid, then they get into breast milk, and the baby learns about them. Now, I think these experiences have to continue, and you really see how food is such an important part of culture that it's not just revolves around what mom eats during pregnancy and lactation. They continue. They're special events. They're often positive, and they come to define who we are as a people. So, mm-hmm. and, and they're plastic. You make each family your own. So it begins, but it's not the end. Um, okay. And I think that type of learning has to continue. I think that what I, I don't think the child needs to learn to like sweets. What they do need to learn to like, I mean, we have a biology that really programs to, us to like sweets. And the baby's born being able to detect it and prefer it from the first day of life. Wow. Because it's the predominant taste quality of mother's milk. So the baby's attracted not just to your smell or what the milk tastes like or the flavors that you've been eating. Um, but now we live in an environment in which we've got manufactured foods that are rich in added sugar and they're not the great sugars that um, we find in fruits or in mother's milk. So the child has that biology to be attracted to sweets. What they need to learn is the texture, the flavors, the foods that may taste a little bitter, and so they have to learn to like them. That all begins during infancy and probably even before. And the first person they learn from is mom. Gotcha. That's cool. Well, yeah, this is a big topic <laughs> for her because um, Danielle has been vegan for, what, 20 years or so? Yeah. Um, and our son is vegan. Um, and he loves it. What's interesting is when we get around people, or our family only, <laughs> um, they'll say it's so interesting to see how much he loves like broccoli and, and these like rich green kind of like bitter foods. Um, and he just devours them. He doesn't really know any better, of course. So 
I understand why he maybe devours them, but there is certainly a preference that happens early on because I hear from other moms that my kid just won't eat that or my kid doesn't like this or they're just, you know, so there is like a, a built-in condition that you you may have some sort of control on based on what you eat during pregnancy, which I, I never really totally thought of that. I think that there's a couple of things. The earlier, the better. Um, there, of all the taste qualities, we're different when it, most different when it comes to bitter. So where you might not detect the bitter in one type of food, the person next to you may be really sensitive. And there's some evidence for some children, childhood is a time of really heightened bitter sensitivity that changes with age. But we do learn, not only do they learn through these flavor experiences, but what the two of you are eating. The, or what your family's eating. As they get older, they're going to be more influenced by peers, but it really starts with the two of you. And I think that the enjoyment of food is more than calories. It's more than get your vitamins. Or oh, yeah. Identifies who you are. And children learn how to eat, when to eat, what to eat, but they also learn about the importance of foods and what, what defines your family diet. So you've really got this opportunity to build on past traditions and create your own family. I absolutely love that. I mean, when you were talking, all I could think about is how my relationship is with food and being that I came from a, a mostly Italian family, our every gathering is about food. <laughs> every single gathering is about food. I, we are centered around the food. We don't go, it could be a big home. It doesn't matter. We are all at the, at the table or at the counter. Um, and that's all he knows, you know? So maybe we don't sit down. After to you eat, you start talking about what you're going to eat next. Yeah, 100%. 100%. We're snacking while dinner is being prepared. We're eating dinner while dessert's being prepared. It is an ongoing event. But I love that culture. And I think because we're so fortunate to have, you know, good food and that food brings us together, I want to instill those values in our son. Yeah. And I think childhood, you know, is the, you're not going to always love every food. And you obviously, one of the most important things we can do for our health is what we eat. And so you basically are giving Gio the opportunities to learn to like what foods he likes and what he doesn't and to have that healthy, balanced diet because it's really going to get him off to a good start uh, that'll have impact for the rest of his life. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I want to know, Julie, what led you down this path of work? Um, my training was more in biology, and so I always like to study mother and infant. I come from a big Italian family, too, so food was always in the background there. <laughs> but uh, when I started at Monell, I knew of all the research that it was done in other animals, that the first way the young learn about food was through their moms and these flavors. So I wanted to just ask that question of the human mother and infant, and so then it kind of built on that. But it's Really, I, I think I still remain in awe of, uh, of that powerful relationship that exists between parents or how you can, how even the father's food likes or, or cultural traditions are really passed on to the child if it influences what the mother eats. And then as they grow old, then that becomes incorporated in the foods that are available. So it just, for me, was the... A fundamental mystery of human behavior is why do we like the things that we do? And just to try to tease it apart and do the best science that I can to try to understand that. Because we're now living in an environment where they're very highly palatable foods. 
um, that may be rich in added sugars that uh, how do you compete with that and uh, and so really a, just to understand how children learn um, and how to get them off to a healthy start that's really the goal of it all yeah well let me ask you this for um you know for a, a mom or parents who aren't big vegetable eaters um, and therefore the kids likely aren't either well, let's say that the mom or parents are smart enough to know that the kids should be eating this stuff. How do you get them to start eating it and enjoying it? Do you just sprinkle a little healthy sugar <laughs> on top of the vegetables? Yeah. Or what do you do? So um, I think you, you know, when you think of the family, I think if you want to make a sustainable behavior, it's to really look at what the family eats. Sure. It's a great source of of uh, vitamins and minerals and antioxidants. So eat the foods that you enjoy. Um, when the child gets a little older, or even when they're young, eight to 10 exposures, just tasting the food, the child gets to learn to like it. It gets harder as the child gets older, but that's the rules of cuisine. A little salt reduces, it's not just that we like salt, it makes it taste less bitter. Right. Uh, sweet makes it taste less bitter, and then you gradually reduce it. The goal is to have the child eat what you're eating. When they're little, you've got to specially prepare it. You've got to mash it, and then it'll increase texture. But uh, it's, again, it's more than calories. It's identifying who you are as a family. So you want to get the child to, you model those behaviors uh, and gradually get the child to eat the same foods that you do. Um, So I think, you a little bit, you know, repeated exposure really is one of the best. You, you uh, just give the child a taste of those foods, and over time, they learn to like it. Um, and they're not going to always like every food you offer. So right. give those experiences to learn to like a healthy diet. I, I understand that. I mean, repeated exposure to zucchini still puts me in the same place. I don't like it whatsoever. <laughs> It's but like, his son does. So oh there gosh, you go. he devours it. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, the thing that worked for us and, you know, everyone's different, but I, I totally agree with what you said. We basically introduced him to solids through little bits of food that we were eating. Mm-hmm. Anytime we were eating something, we'd say, do you want to try? And then we'd give him some sort of portion that was fitting for him, whether it was mashed or whatever. And And that's sort of what's made it easiest too for me is that I'm able to prepare foods that we can all eat so it doesn't feel like I'm constantly just making stuff for him although sometimes it does feel like oh wow a, a small human sure does require a lot of attention when it comes to food. but um but it's been a fun process and I'm, I'm grateful for whatever reason that so far we've had an easier time with it and I think that that's probably a testament to being a food lover myself and exposing myself to and I ate throughout my pregnancy really well and yeah. It's fascinating to hear like the science behind it because I guess that, you know, it makes that sense that he likes some of yeah, these more unique foods. made it easier. The other thing that seems to be key is not just the particular food, but the more v- variety. Yes. So the more varied you are or the more variety you give in the child, the more likely they'll accept a new food. Okay. Um, it may generalize more different types of fruit, a new fruit or uh, vegetables too. That's where most of the research has been on, but we really have got a long way to go. I mean, what do you do when it is difficult or when the child really is picky? What's the best, you know, what evidence can you um, 
evolve so that you can give this advice to parents. Yeah. Sure. And, you know, every child's an individual, but uh, you try to give these experiences that they learn. And, and you don't want to underscore how they have to be positive experiences. Of course. Right, right. And not inflict right. like your own emotions behind food. Mm-hmm. You know, something that I think is very important is exposing them to foods that maybe you don't like, but not allowing them to see any sort of facial expression on your face of like, right. oh, surprise, or oh my goodness, you like that, <laughs> or ooh, I don't know if I like that. Yeah. <laughs> because they're smart and they'll, you know, inherently like decide whether they like something or not based off of maybe your, I'm, I'm a very mellow feeder, you know, mm-hmm. like here you go, I'm eating, you're eating, this is a normal occurrence, we love it, it's great. <laughs> oh, nice. It's been Thanks. fun. Well, gosh, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Oh, I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Thank Exciting. you. So far, so good in the food department. But if we ever run into a question, we may have to oh. go down that oh, yeah, rabbit we'll, hole. We'll ping you for sure. Yeah, we appreciate Sounds your help. Oh, I wish you the best of luck. And it really was a pleasure talking to both of you. Good luck. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Julie. Have a good Bye-bye. one. Bye. 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 More adulting like a mother father when we come back. Okay, guys, did you know right now Geico is offering an extra 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies? That's 15% on top of the money Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Your dog to make breakfast in bed with Belgian waffles and a fresh fruit compote? Okay, as nice as that sounds, that's probably never going to happen. But at least there's never been a better time to switch to GEICO. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Visit GEICO.com to learn more. Hi, everyone. This is Jillian with Court Junkie. Court Junkie is a true crime podcast that covers court cases and criminal trials, using audio clips and interviews with people close to the cases. Court Junkie is available on Apple Podcasts and podcastone.com. And now back to Adulting Like a Mother Father. Okay, we're back. Um, I genuinely loved those uh, chats. I think that they're obviously older, a bit wiser, and it's always nice to get another... um, opinion or perspective, especially when you are so in it and you are in so in parenting and parent mode. Um, the yeah. food one though is interesting. I don't know. I'm I so sorry about the, no, the quality. I was going to say the quality of the interview was, um, a bit frustrating because the sound quality wasn't very good, but I hope you guys gathered enough information to, to learn a bit about how important it is to keep in mind what you're eating while you're pregnant. Yeah. Long story short, food is important. So choose wisely. <laughs> yeah, choose but wisely. like I said, she, she was Italian. So I know you guys sort of hit it. Oh off yeah. I mean, regard. instantly it's like, you know, it's funny. It's like <laughs> when you're Italian, you're just like sort of destined to be in some business around food. hundred percent. Like I love, I can be, I could be around food. I could be around people cooking. I can be around people eating all day every day it it literally makes my heart happy yeah well i mean that those are what your family get-togethers are that's it just hang around the kitchen that's it cook food and eat the food yeah and that's when you're not done how you grew up at all huh no not really like you guys had meal times yeah. and you had like portions where like you would like for instance i think we've said this before on a past episode but it's like you would make a plate of food and you would fill the plate and you could be done after that. You could literally put your plate in the sink and be done. That's not how I've ever grown up. That's how I stay fit. 
Screw that. <laughs> What's the point of that? Um, so, yeah, so that conversation was awesome. Uh, and I also really enjoyed the one with Robert. I just felt like, and we probably said it a bunch of times during that, that interview, um, speaking with him just kind of took some weight off. Yeah. You know, because as a parent, and I know we're still so new in the game, but at every stage, you just feel like so much lies on your shoulders like every decision you make has an impact on him and i'm sure in some way it does but it was nice to hear him say that it doesn't have as much of an impact as you think it does sure so whether or not everybody agrees with that is another thing mm-hmm. but for so me it was helpful. How it's controversial yeah. like it feels like it's pretty although we can't even go down this rabbit hole because i was gonna say it feels like it's pretty scientific but that is basically the we're conversation gonna, around keep the world you right off now of science <laughs> Okay. Um, So you wanted to talk about partnership. I sure do. Let's do it. You know, guys, before we even get into it, our lives are so almost a bit chaotic. And I feel like this is our real opportunity to like sit across from one another and talk. So I want to actually open it up to you because I want to know where your head's at in regards to partnership. Whoa, you're dropping a bomb on me. Yeah. Um, partnership. Well, that's usually when two people okay. form a bond. Just tell me like where you're at. Cause things have not been rosy. They have not been that great. No. Um, I think partnership just takes on a different meaning at this point in life. And especially with all the responsibilities that we share together, it's different for me um and we you know we we've probably talked about this before too like we've both lacked things that are important to us as individuals and because we're lacking as individuals it's hard for us to give the other one the thing that they need Mm -hmm. Um, and we've struggled with that for nine years Mm -hmm. and it's things like you need more love and affection and physical touch and I need things like communication and feeling like I have somebody to lean on and who once in a while will ask me like, Hey, how are you doing? You know, you said like three things, but you said all I needed was no, I gave you two physical. Okay. I said love and affection and physical touch. Okay, So there's three. Okay. Just trying to keep things even. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, well, you put me on the spot here. I know. So, so, so yeah, like, you know, I think people can relate to this when you feel like, something that's really important to you is missing or has been missing for some time. Like those, those feelings of, of lacking, they build and they build and they build and you get to a point where you're just constantly frustrated. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where I've been. Yeah. I've been on the receiving end of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been frustrated in my own way, but I've been like, I don't even know what it is. It's like just frustrated with like missing, like things are so different since having geo. Okay. Oh yeah. And the thing that really like grounds me and reminds me, you know, everything's sort of going to be okay. Is that like mutual love? And I respond to love differently than you do. Like I need to feel it in a way that's like physical or in like embrace, like I would love like a hug or, you know, like to be, whatever embraced in that way. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I understand that like you have needs that you need in order to feel like you could feel the 
desire to want to show me those things, but it's, yeah, it's like not a that I don't want to feel love. Like I think every human wants that in some capacity. I will say for whatever reason, I, I need like a little less of the physical touch piece. And maybe that's because we've been together as long as we have, or we just have so much other stuff going on or it's like that other stuff consumes you and stresses you out. And, and like, there's just so much, other there's so many other things to deal with yeah and I'm understanding of that like I think when you say you need less of it I'm sure that's true I don't feel like I need this abundance like I don't need to be always um I don't know what it is like shown attention I don't need that like I need like a like even at just at the end of the day you know like I get it all day we're just going to be like sort of doing our thing and, and staying afloat but then at the end of the day to feel like okay it's just you and I like let's check in, let's like be a couple, let's remember like how we got here, who we are together, you know? Yeah, but I I mean on the flip side, and this is what's hard because you just go back and forth, back and forth. On the flip side, the things that like make me think that we're a couple and I have a a partner, I feel like are missing. No, I know. You know what I mean? So, So that's built for me and it makes me, it's not that I do it intentionally, it's just like, I naturally have less of a desire to, to give you what you need. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to explain that no, the right I know, way. I know. I understand it. I understand it. You know, cause the other part of that, and we talked about this the other day is it, it's just always hard. Cause it's like, you need this to give this and I need this to give this. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But you need to feel, you need things made cozy and cuddly and like lovey for you to, to push yourself in any way. Yeah. And that's what I've struggled with. It's like, I feel like I compromise a lot and like I make myself uncomfortable all the time for the betterment of us and for you. And I felt like you just aren't built that way. And I've been looking for more of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to argue because that is definitely a weakness of mine, like pretty much in general. Um, in work environments, I've often felt like, you know, I needed to almost feel There's like a dolphin safe down the hallway. I don't think anyone heard you, <laughs> but yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. It's something I've, I've needed to work on. It's interesting. I know that, um, so I obviously listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm not like switching topics at all, but you know how they're, they're advertising a lot about like, you know, therapy via zoom or whatever. And I was talking to a friend yesterday and I was like, I feel like that's kind of a good idea. <laughs> like yeah. it would be nice to be able, cause this feels like therapy. It feels like somehow it's a safe place to like, I know it sounds so weird to say that cause people are listening to us, but sometimes when there's not a mediator or we're not sitting and we have to like be articulate and sort of choose our words kindly and have empathy for one another, mm-hmm. I get intimidated to like open up conversations. Yeah. I wouldn't say sometimes I would say all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You have this shell that you go into, like you immediately, like you shrink down and like you surround yourself with a wall and whether it's like something I've initiated or something that's bothering you, like you'll just have nothing to say and like it couldn't drive me more crazy. No, I know. You know, cause oftentimes that's when I feel like I don't have a partner to lean on. It's like, Part of it was our life prior to Gio. Part of it's now with with him and so much going on. It's like 
you need what you feel like is a peer or another adult to have all these conversations with. Because at the end of the day, like we share everything together. We share our house together, dogs, geo, like I need somebody to lean on too. No, I, I get it. I totally, totally get it. Like, cause you know, when you say that you need someone that you can like open up to and lean on, like, that's exactly how I feel about like physically, like I need to be able to sit on the couch and lean on you and feel like everything's okay. Mm -hmm. Like I don't necessarily need to like talk about all the weight of the day. Like I can let all of it go. But the second I like am with you and like, I feel like you're the warmth or your muscles or something like, I'm like, we're good. (laughs) So it's so trippy because we both want the same thing. Yeah. Well, kind of. Yeah. I mean, we we both want the same end result. Yeah. We want the same end result. Yeah. So maybe there's a relationship expert. Sorry. I keep wanting to turn to something else. I know. See, I like to fix within. I don't need to go. I, I feel like I'm not, closed off from having help because I've been there before but I feel like things can be worked on from within first mm-hmm. so anyways I'm not I'm not shutting it down but we have a dolphin that's making some noise <laughs> down the hallway Gio so, just woke up from his nap so time's up for us hashtag now. <laughs> partnership okay oh goodness I really hope some of you decide to slide into our dms and maybe relate or ask us us questions about relationships because we are experts no you don't have to ask us questions but you can maybe even give us a little tidbit of advice i mean we've been together almost nine years yeah and (sighs) you know just getting through it but that's not the goal so yeah yeah i'll end it there all right let's leave it at that okay (laughs) well we love you guys thank you for listening um really fun and interesting episode coming up next week by the way an episode we (laughs) it'll be fun it was an episode we recorded with someone um prior to to quarantine and he is just a bundle of energy so stay tuned for that and uh be sure to leave us a review hit us up on social adulting um wait what did i say that wrong Adulting like AMF. Yeah, hit us up on adulting, whatever that is, (laughs) on Instagram. Okay, we will be back next week. All right, guys, peace. Thank you for listening to this episode of Adulting Like a Mother Father. New shows drop every Tuesday on the Direct Message Network on Podcast One. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.